Welcome to Mokina's Front Porch, a Mokina history podcast with Matt Gaelic and me, Israel Smith. All right, Matt, good to see you again. Thanks for joining me today on uh, yes. one of my favorite front porches. Yes, Matt absolutely. and I decided to sit out on my front porch tonight and do uh, this episode because um, it's such a beautiful summer day. It is. It is. It really is. And uh, this You're is Mokina's out. front porch, so... What better place to record than on a front porch? And we have a really interesting story. Uh, this one is about the Mokina's Railroad Men. Railroad, Mokina's Railroad Flag Men. So, Matt, maybe give a little overview of what the f- what were the flag men? Sure, yeah. Well, the flag men were local men whose job it was was basically to guard the railroad crossings in town uh, before the advent of the electric gates that we have today and probably take for granted today uh, that go up and down when trains are coming so people don't try to walk across or drive across the tracks. Well, once upon a time, there was a guy whose job it was was to do that. Uh, and there was one posted at the crossing, uh, at the Mokina Street Railroad crossing, and another one on the, uh, the Wolf Road crossing. Uh, I pretty much just focus on the Mokina Street crossing here, but, uh, and there, there even was a period where there was sort of like a movement afoot to get one, uh, a flagman at what was called the school crossing, uh, where nowadays we have what is now called Schoolhouse Road. That crosses the railroad. That never really got off the ground. But, uh, yeah, there were men who had a flag, a physical flag. And that was all they, uh, there was no gate or bar they put down or anything to block the street. They just literally just a flag, right? That's correct. Yeah. When a train would come, they would stand uh, in the road and kind of wave their flag just to uh, make sure no one tried to interfere with the crossing at all. So... Before we get into the story, we learn a little bit about, you know, the history. Well, maybe tell a little bit how important the train is to our town. Yeah, absolutely. The railroad is extremely important to the history of Mokena. If it wasn't for the Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railroad, or just the Rock Island, as it's called, uh, Mokena wouldn't exist. Uh, there were people living here before the railroad was built in 1852, or I should say when it was completed in 1852 but uh yeah without the trains coming uh mokina never would have been platted uh property never would have been bought uh buildings would never have been built and our community would not exist today so and so when the train came through what were the uses like what was the the use at first Mm -hmm. uh you know basically the same thing as it is today uh there were passengers the rock island took people back and forth from Chicago to Joliet or to uh, points further afield even. Uh, But there also were things like uh, cattle, cargo, freight, dairy products like milk. Um, Mokina has a long, long history of being a dairy shipping point, what with the Bowman Dairy having been here uh, in all those years in the early 1900s. Um, yeah, it's pretty much, uh, we still have freight trains that come through Mokina. They're not loading and unloading anything here anymore, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. They definitely make their way through town a couple times a day. Yeah, they do. All right. Anybody yep. that uh, gets to experience the, the gates, uh, for periods of time enjoys that. Um, Absolutely. and then how about, uh, any, what, where were there other flag men in the area? 
You know, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure Tinley Park had flagmen as well. Uh, I'm not a, not an expert on their history, but um, you know, our tales sort of intersect. So I, I feel like I've I've come across references to their flagmen. Um, you know, I don't know if Frankfurt ever did. Of course, Frankfurt's not on the Rock Island. Uh, they were on the Michigan Cutoff. Uh, believe it or not, for those who don't know, Frankfurt was once a railroad town. I don't know if they had flagmen or not, but I could almost think they would have had to have. Uh, as you know, flagmen were not an uncommon thing in towns across the country before the advent of uh, electric gates, with uh, ours uh, having first been installed in 1944 uh, here in town. Uh, so that's how far back we're talking. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So 1852 is when the train first came through town. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, what's the time frame of our story? We're we're kind of talking. What years are are we uh, looking at? Yeah, yeah. This story in in regards to the flagmen kind of kicks off around the end of the 1890s, as we'll see. Something happened that really spurred the need for one, uh, and kind of continues on, uh, yeah, up into the into the 1940s, into the uh, into the World War II years, up until they replace. Uh, replace them with mechanical gates exactly yeah yeah and we're talking about the area on mokina street uh which is right now there's kind of like the metra uh building in the same or similar place is that right yeah yeah so nowadays uh if you uh can kind of like envision a map of mokina in your head on the north side of the railroad tracks at mokina street there's a kind of like a prefabricated metal hut that's yeah, there. like there's all the wires, all the, the mechanicals or something yeah. for the train goes through there. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you see the, the Metra uh, workers going in and out of there working on stuff. Basically, right where that little building sits is where the flagman shack was. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, good. So now everybody knows where we're talking about. Let's exactly. uh, get into this really interesting story about Mokina's railroad flagmen. As we Mokinians know, the roots of our village lie not just in agriculture, but also in the steel rail. The Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railroad is the reason for the village's very existence, and reflections on our collective past are filled with locomotives puffing soot. One image often overlooked in our mind's eye is that of the humble wooden shack on the north side of the Mokina Street crossing. Aesthetically speaking, the little shanty was totally unremarkable. However, it was from here that a generation of men worked a very important job. Known as flagmen for their tools of the trade, it was the responsibility of these Mokinians to assure safety at the railroad crossing in the days before electric gates. Working by themselves from the small hut, the flagmen were employees of the Rock Island who heralded the arrival of a train by standing in Mokina Street and waving a green flag and later a small stop sign. While another flagman came to guard the Wolf Road crossing, the shack most widely remembered was the one that stood at the Depot Crossing on Mokina Street. Teasingly described by an early 20th century journalist as a mansion by the tracks, the shanty was far from it. Merely a small wooden building, roughly the size of a toll booth, complete with a stove and at least two small windows. The exact date of its construction has long since been lost to time, but sagely residents of Mokina would remember the shack first appearing as a response to a deadly accident that occurred around 1900. 
Comparing these memories with the historical record, it appears likely that the calamity recalled was the death of Irma Reese in 1896. A teenage relative of the McGovney family, she was killed by a rushing train for the simple yet tragic reason that she didn't look both ways while crossing the tracks. In the immediate aftermath of the accident, the village board asked the Rock Island to place a flagman at Mokina Street on or before June 15, 1896. Records indicate that a crossing guard had indeed been stationed at the crossing, but some unknown hiccup occurred that resulted in the railroad doing away with the flagman just as quickly as he had been posted. Recognizing the gravity of the situation, certain townsfolk unleashed a torrent of criticism on village trustees, who they perceived to be responsible for the guard's absence. The buck was passed to the general manager of the Rock Island Railroad, and while he refused to have a flagman placed on Mokina Street, he did compromise by suggesting that the local station helper perform the task. At a special meeting later that summer, village clerk John Lease drafted an indignant letter back to the company, wherein he described that this would be asking the impossible, for the overtaxed gent's responsibilities already included having to load and unload baggage, carry the mailbags to and from the post office, and attending to the loading of milk and unloading of milk cans. Regardless of when a flagman was permanently posted to the crossing and when his shelter was constructed, Mokina's train passengers knew it as a place to chew the fat or find solace within its walls on cold winter mornings. Among the earliest Mokinians to work the flagman's shack upon its installation were Patrick Brennan and Thomas Kinnery, both having settled in the village years before during its infancy. By 1909, Ferdinand Tunn was on regular duty there. A middle-aged man of German birth, Tunn waved a green flag and was praised that year by the Joliet Weekly News as having great artistic tastes and talents when he spelled the village's name in whitewashed brick and stone in the ground at the guardhouse. Not too long after this creation appeared, the status of Tun's shack as a hangout was threatened. The roadmaster of the Rock Island appeared in town to personally warn him not to allow people to gather there, and made it clear that any such huddlings were viewed as distractions from his duty. Apparently, the order had no effect, for soon thereafter, another was passed down, this one specifically mandating no loafing. On, on your blog post, this is where there is a picture on there of flagman Ferdinand Tun. Yes, yes, that's him. So yeah. can you uh, maybe just, you know, anything you can add to this picture, What uh, where we're looking at? You see Mokina State Bank in the background there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's standing what looks like on the railroad between two of the tracks there. Appears to be, yeah. Looks like he's standing right there. And like a wooden... Uh, Kind of boardwalk, walkway? Yeah. Si- that's, what, that's what the sidewalks were at the time. Yeah, that's that's what the sidewalks were made of in town here before the advent of uh, concrete sidewalks, which made their first appearance in Mokina around 1910 or thereabouts. Uh, so that would place it, uh, yeah, a little bit before, or actually probably right around that, that time because the bank wasn't built until 1909. And the uh, concrete sidewalks mm. didn't uh, start s- sprouting up until, yeah, around that time. I mean, they were completed in bits and pieces. 
yeah, really interesting. No, re- and this is on Mokina Street, circa 1915. Okay, and a picture yeah. you got from uh, Mr. Richard Quinn. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, um, always, you know, we again post the the link to this. So this is one of the photos, and then there's one more. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that when when you get to that one. Absolutely. Ferdinand Tunn retired from his service at the crossing in 1922 at the lofty age of 70. At some point thereafter, Front Street resident and former butcher Paul Rinke Sr. took the helm, but it is unclear when and for how long. Sometime around 1931, Harry Shane succeeded Rinke as the Mokina Street flagman, who then manned the post for about 13 years. Called Slim by folks around town, Shane was a baseball fan whose radio carried the sounds of games down Front Street. One dramatic incident highlights Slim Shane's time as a flagman, namely the bravery he displayed saving the lives of two local women in 1941. Only days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the two ladies were disembarking from an eastbound train when one of them took an unfortunate tumble. With a westbound locomotive barreling down on them from the other track, Shane sprung into action and halted the departing eastbound, whereupon he then pressed the two ladies and himself flush against the side of a coach while the westbound sped past a foot and a half from their faces. Miraculously, no one was hurt, although a local news report mentioned that they all suffered greatly from excitement and shock. While initially delayed by World War II, electric gates were first installed at the Mokina Street and Wolf Road crossings in the fall of 1944. Flagmen in the village were now made obsolete, and Slim Shane was sent to Joliet to work on a crossing there. With no use for the flagman's shanty, the old haunt was sold privately and moved to the new Sunny Acres subdivision just north of town where it was converted into a shed. Noting the demise of the hut, Mokina's news bulletin invoked its status in the village by referring to it as an old landmark. From here, it faded into the pages of history. While an era ended, the stories of the unique men who waved the flag here have forever been sealed into Mokina's story. Very interesting, and, and something that people today would probably never understand or probably have the not. idea of, right, right. Um, you know, other than like a school crossing guard. Um, right, right. So talk a little bit about the picture, uh, this other picture that's included here that shows the uh, mansion by the tracks yeah, again around yeah. 1915. Um, a couple guys sitting out on boards out there. Out mm-hmm. there, it was kind of a just the hangout. Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, that's what all accounts kind of indicate that uh, it was just kind of a place where guys would kind of stop and peek in from time to time and see what was going on with the flagman, or maybe talk with maybe one or two of the other guys that was kind of hanging out there. Um, it was, uh, known as a place, uh, as I believe I referenced, uh, for, you know, maybe in days when the weather wasn't so great, uh, for, I mean, it was not a, a big building, but you could fit a few people in there to kind of get out of the elements. Yeah. And these guys are all while. dressed up too. They got their top hats on and, and yeah. the suits and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, but yeah, really interesting picture neat to see, you know, a little bit of Mokina left there in the background. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is, you know, our uh, 4th of July episode. And Matt, you mentioned there was a a story related to these railroad men in the 4th of July. There's it's an interesting little story. uh, um, Just kind of paints a little bit of a picture of uh, times gone by on uh, July 4th, 1901. 
as the town was celebrating Independence Day, flagman uh, Patrick Brennan from his spot at the shanty or shack, what have you, uh, he was manning his post. And as he was looking to the northeast, he spotted uh, some smoke, some smoldering that was coming from the roof of the Rouse blacksmith shop. And uh, that he was able to put two and two together and realize that a fire had started uh, on the roof of this little building. How it started, you know, we don't know. Was it a spark from a firework or something or uh, a spark from the funnel of a locomotive or what have you? We don't know. But And where was the building that was on fire that he saw? Sure. That building stood on the south side of Front Street. Uh, on the site or in the footprint of the building that is now there, uh, that was uh, Mr. Ozinga's uh, office his, and his uh, campaign office, uh, that uh, it's that building is something like at least the fourth building that stood on that site. Uh, but yeah, that the old uh, Rouse Blacksmith shop around the turn of the 20th century stood there, and and that's what uh, Mr. Brennan spotted from his uh, flagman sh- uh, shack at the Mokina Street crossing. The uh, the fire in its infancy that was starting wow. and the roof catching fire. So uh, through his alertness, he was able to uh, get the bucket brigade together and uh, they were able to put out what could have been a pretty nasty fire that day. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. On the 4th of July. Yeah, exactly. So with the flagmen, did they have a schedule that they knew the trains were coming through? Did they just keep their eye out? for trains coming do you know how that worked any idea yeah yeah i i do not know for sure but i'm sure that they had a schedule or that they had a, at least a good idea as to when the trains would be coming but um if something was coming unexpectedly i'm sure that they still kept their eye out hmm. uh yeah they uh they had a job to do and they they did a very good job of it uh as we saw with, in the case of Slim Shane, even uh, saved lives. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And how scary to face, yeah. face down a train like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, it's interesting. It, You know, like I said, you don't really even think that these were jobs in the past, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. How many, yeah. Uh, but it was vital to our town and to our downtown. And Oh, sure. Yeah. And then the fact that we didn't have one by the school is pretty interesting, too. But, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that had to be, think of, you know, the school right across the street and the kids were going across the tracks to play right, sport. Yeah. You know, that had to be terrifying at times. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's what happened. Yeah. Not to end on a down note. Yeah, right, right. right yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, Matt, thank you again. Another thank great you. story. Uh, thanks for bringing this, sharing the story. Uh, happy 4th of July to you. Happy 4th, Mokina. Which is one of my favorite holidays in town for sure. Oh, I love definitely. the parade and, and everything going on. So enjoy that, and we will see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're enjoying our show, it would really help us out a lot if you would leave us a rating and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as share our show with your friends and your family. There's a link in the show notes to Matt's blog article that this episode was based on, so be sure to check that out. If you have any ideas for a show or have any questions we can try to answer, please send us an email at mokinasfrontporch at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully answer your question on the show. Thanks for listening, 
and we'll see you next time on Mokinas from Porch. <laughs>